Hello. Welcome again to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen. Back with Cameron and Matt, and we are going to have a little bit more of a conversational interest. So the I guess the topic for today's podcast will be uh, interesting facts. And that's pretty um, uh, nebulous and purposefully so, though. So we're good. Um, a little bit more conversational, more uh, off the wall, less, uh, uh, you know, of the uh, hard hitting science podcasts that we've been doing recently, which hopefully, um, hopefully you guys will keep listening to us with things that are less um, difficult because it's a lot of work for Matt to keep doing those. <laughs> I guess heaven knows I'm not going to. Um, okay, so let's start with, uh, so I've got a list of five interesting facts, and then Matt and Cameron, if they have any other off-the-wall interesting things that they want to share, they are also welcome to do so. But let's start with, um, so this isn't like your normal weird interesting facts. I found these like, Okay, so I guess let me get the first example. It's the birthday problem. Matt or Cameron, are you familiar with this birthday problem? It's a statistical, interesting fact type thing. I I don't think it's. I mean, you can only have one birthday. <laughs> it's not it much of a problem, then, is once. it? Yeah, I, I, it just happens once, you know. <laughs> it's one and done. <laughs> Uh, I didn't right. think there was too much of a problem with that, but <laughs> okay. So this is uh, this is interesting. I found this out a couple of years ago, and it's still uh, you know kind of a party trick, I guess. Um, so it's probability theory. So kind of playing on our last podcast, um, which, which was the basic of basics of st- statistics. I was thinking about this, and um, so the the idea is generally um, that let's say you have a class. Um, like a college class, and you've got 20, 20 other people in that class, what is the probability that any two people share the same birthday? Uh, Matt or Cameron, you want to wager a guess? I'm sorry, how many people in the class? Uh, like 20, 20, 20 other people, so 21 with you or somewhere around there. Okay. Um. That's actually trying to calculate this. You're supposed yeah, to just take a in my random head. guess. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that like, seems like a, a lot of math. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to just take a gut, you know, a quick gut guess at this because the the lay person, which once again is supposed to be our audience, but you hear like 20, 21 other people in the class with you. You're thinking, okay, the chance of people, someone in this class is going to share a birthday is pretty low, right? Well, yeah, 20 people, you have a 1 in 365 chance, really, you have a 20 in 365 chance, 365 divided by 20 is like 1 in 18. One, okay, uh, it's actually significantly higher, if really? you can believe it. Yeah, so the probability that two people uh, share the same birthday in a class of in this case it shows uh it says the number is 23 but it says 23 or fewer so maybe even 22 people um is 50 percent wow yeah so that seems a little high yeah. 
it it's it's counterintuitive it's crazy right um but once again just probability theory um it says this result is perhaps made more plausible by considering that the comparisons of birthday will actually be made between every possible pair of individuals. So 23 times 22 divided by 2, 253 comparisons. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I was thinking the probability that someone would share your birthday. But the right. actual so, question is the probability that any two would right. have. Right. Yeah. Yep. Though, though that okay. other one is also interesting. So um, let me get down to that one. The, uh, also related to the that birthday problem is the uh, your birthday problem. Uh, let me see if I can find that one. Here we go. So that one, um, I think that's about right, Matt. Did you say eight one out of eighteen? So the, it, this says six point one percent. If you if uh, the number of people in your class is twenty three, um, yeah. which is uh, Okay, right. Where we, oh, but what is really interesting um, related to that is that um, in a group of seven people, there is a greater than 50% chance that more th that that you will find two people that ha whose birthdays are within a week of each other. Okay. And once again, the, if you start working out the math, it starts making a lot of sense. But just gut reaction, the idea that you get together with seven people and you're going to find someone that uh, two people that are within a week of each other is counterintuitive. That's not necessarily what you, at least the, me, uh, what I what I can like just gut reaction. If somebody asked me how many people would you have to get together, I'd be like, oh, I don't know, 30. It's seven, seven people. To have more than a 50% chance that two people are within a week of each other. Anyway, but yeah, that uh, the class of the so if you go back to like your elementary school days or your you know uh, and the idea that oh sharing a birthday with uh, someone in your class was that's so cool that's uh, turns out it's actually not that cool it's pretty pretty frequent happened probably pretty much everyone so um, you're not as cool as you so thought you were not special yeah that's exactly the idea yeah yeah. Well, that's one of the key things that we try to do here on this podcast is people is is put people, give in them their, their own perspective on their place in the universe. <laughs> yeah, I, that I sounds mean, horrible. Every, everyone <laughs> has value. It is true. Everyone has value. Well, and, even and if you don't share a birthday with someone in your class, but everyone else shares the same birthday, you still matter. <laughs> uh, I was I was just thinking about us and our first cousins. There's only one that I can think of that shares a birthday, and that's just me and Lindsay. Uh, see, but there you go. That's uh, that's a. Well, we, have a of, we have a lot of cousins, but 20. yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying we're probably right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Kind of one of those uh, um, parlor trick, party trick type of info things anyway all right moving on to the uh, next interesting fact and this one is more right up my alley which i might be cheating on then but so this is um for the for the listener out there that doesn't actually at this point know what i did in college uh i got a, my degree in linguistics so this one is um called the mcgurk effect 
and the McGurk effect, you should Google right now because me describing the McGurk effect is going to have significantly less uh, wow factor than you listening or and watching the McGurk effect because the McGurk effect is actually a visual effect. Um, so I can I'll, I'll describe it a little bit here, but um, the general idea is that your mouth and your ears are both uh, what? Not your mouth. Let's try that again. Your eyes and your ears are both used in listening. Uh, and so when you watch someone speak, your eyes are also informing your brain as to what sounds are coming out of their mouth simultaneous. And your, 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 uh, your brain is matching those up with the auditory signals you're getting and, you're, and putting together what they're saying, which is why it's hard these days when people have masks over their mouth to understand what people are saying, right? Um, because you're not getting that same information. Um, however, uh, in the McGurk effect, the, the point is it tries to show that um, you can trick your mind. Um, so what they do is they take a, so uh, a sound uh, of someone saying ka, 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 uh, with a K at the beginning, and they match it up with a video of a person's, uh, that per same person saying ba, ba, ba. And uh, when when you when you see someone saying ba visually, and but your uh, your ears hear ka, your mind kind of blows up, and it, it goes between. It, it says, well, it's got to be somewhere in between there. Then clearly, and it, you, what you hear is da, 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 uh, with a d at the beginning. And so even though if you close your eyes, you'll hear the ka, ka, ka. If you open your eyes and look, you can't. Um, you can't hear it because, once again, your mind is syncing up the visual information with the audio information and saying that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And so the McGurk effect is kind of a fun little, uh, little um, you know, YouTube video. You can share it uh, parties also. So, um yeah, hopefully you Googled that and listened to me while you were watching it because it's certainly worth uh, giving. There's a couple interesting, weird videos on it online, but I think there's one done well either by like the BBC or I don't remember. Anyway, there's some YouTube videos on it. Okay, so that's the McGurk effect. Interesting fact number two. I got three more here. So we got number three. We have um, <laughs> this one plays well to my, uh, my uh, brothers here, uh, the capybaras. A capybaras, um, and probably more people know this than know the other two, but capybaras are the largest rodents in the world. So if you think, um, if you've seen the movie The Princess Bride, they're kind of the R-O-U-S's of Earth, um, which is, stands for rodents of unusual size. Uh, they are slightly cuter than R-O-U-S's in the movie, but... Um, Capybaras are uh, prob you've probably seen them at like your local zoo. They're pretty prevalent, just as rodents are often everywhere. Um, but capybaras can get up to like 200 pounds in size, which is frightening if you think that it's just an overgrown rat. Um, but it can swim as well. Oh, I guess rats can too. So there's that. But it swims really well. It's got like webbed feet and stuff, uh, and so the way I we became familiar with capybaras was, I believe, and Matt or Cameron could correct me here, given that I was the youngest, um, the the book by Bill Pete called Capybappy. Is that 
Matt, is that how you remember first that becoming is the book? Yeah. <laughs> Cameron, do you remember the, the what? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. And and that was that was a magical book. I remember reading that many, many a time. Um but that's a true story, I believe. I think that's Bill Pete's actual true story of when he and his family adopted a capybara. Um and well, actually, if you hear him talk about it, it's, it's a bit tragic because he actually ordered the capybara from animal importers or whatever that are these days, I think, illegal. And he kind of regrets that he ever did that. But um, anyway, it is an interesting uh, view into how trying to take care of a capybara went. And uh, so it's a it's a children's book, but it's fun and it's interesting. And capybaras are generally very interesting. Uh, Matt or Cameron, anything about the capybara that needs to be noted here? Oh, it's just that it's, um, yeah, it's a large rodent. It's interesting. And if you Google capybara with animals, you'll see that the world's largest rodent is also like the world's largest best friend because all the other types of animals tend to flock around the capybara and hang out with it or rest on it or whatever. Uh, weirdly, you can even find capybara predators like caimans that, that are snuggling with the capybara. Um, a little strange. <laughs> snuggling their teeth onto the capybara? I guess, but yeah. Uh, at zoos or farms or wherever you find a capybara, you'll often find all the other animals hanging out with the capybara. Right. So, yeah, I think in the San Diego Zoo, which is the one I've went, I've gone to most frequently in my adult life, at least, I think they're in the enclosure with like tapirs or something like that. Um, it's well, interesting. If I also remember correctly, we actually got to see Bill Pete's actual cappy boppy as well. Did we? Yes. Oh. I, don't I don't remember, remember but that. yeah. I thought Capybaras. it was up in the Madison Zoo. Oh, I'm not. I, I think that was just a generic one because he lived in California. But anyway, still oh, great yeah. experience. Yeah. Capybaras are important. Okay. Everyone should go see they them. <laughs> and possibly buy one because you definitely can own them and get them from legal sources. They are, they're, um, you know, they're a, a, a domestic animal down in South America. They're uh, a herd animal. They're used for meat. Um, they're all over the place. They're like little micro cows. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. But anyway, yeah, uh, you can you can find them, and parts of the U.S. are are zoned to allow them in their exotic animal list. So if you're ever walking down the street and you see an abnormally large guinea pig, as in a guinea pig the size of a Saint Bernard, that's a capybara. And you can find the owner and ask where they got it so you can get one too. Yeah, I'm sure that I think Bill Pete said they're good for like lawn mowing, you know, like some uh, useful tasks. You just need to teach your capybara how to mow appropriately. Um, yeah. Anyway, capybaras, very interesting animals, cute. Uh, at least they're kind of cute. And as, and as far as rodents can be cute, I mean, yeah, they look a little bit like a guinea pig, except disturbingly much larger okay um all right fourth fact and this is uh this is one of very great relevance to everyone and so okay 
these days, I think most people do the majority of their reading online. So usually it's on your computer, it's on your phone, it's on a tablet. Um, but there have been studies, uh, and as I was looking into this today, uh, some of these studies are from long, from like 20 years ago. So I don't know if there's more recent science that uh, refutes this, but uh, there are some recent studies that I saw that uh, backed it up as well. But re- reading on paper is faster than reading on a screen. So there's a measurable difference as far as the the quickness with which you can read if you're reading on paper and your comprehension. Reading comprehension is actually greater reading on paper. So that's measurable as well. So if you're taking an online reading comprehension test, you're already getting host. Uh, Especially if someone else has the option of taking it uh, on paper, because apparently it's a uh, once again, a measurable, I don't remember what the percentage was in the study I looked at, but um, measurable amount that uh, that you comprehend more. And, and they were attributing that to the idea that you have the mind, just, uh, you can control it more. Um, the idea of being able to go back and reread, flip the page backward. I, I, they don't, they honestly don't know. Scientists don't know all the reasons that you comprehend things better on paper, but um, they think it has something to do with control. Um uh, but uh, but yeah, that was uh, really interesting to me as far as uh, also the, the speed. And I saw as, the difference can be as great as 25%. You're 25% faster on paper, uh, which blows my mind. Uh, that's huge. Um, so, I, and I don't know if this like applies to something like, you know, one of those Kindle uh, paper white, is that what they're called? You know, the ones that look like paper? Yeah, those things. Yeah, I don't know how, how it applies to that, or, you know, because those are pretty darn paper looking. But uh, yeah, well, I thought that was. Yeah. So the interesting question to me is how much does your comprehension vary depending on, um, you know, if you're doing audiobook form where it's being read to you instead of you having to read it? That's or does that depend on. Uh, you know, the individual where some people are audio learners, some people are visual learners, things like that. That would be an interesting extension. Yeah, and do I'm we, sure that we know the answer. Like I, I don't not off the top of my head. I do know that. Um, that could when be I, a, sorry, go ahead. Well, so I used to do some once again in my linguistic uh, earlier life. Um, the uh, when we, I, I did some testing, help with some testing of, of non-native uh, speakers of English. And um, those were literally just different scores, right? They, the, they'd score you on your ability to comprehend, like to listen and comprehend and your, re- and your ability to read and comprehend. And so those were literally different tests um, we'd administer. But there is, of course, crossover. One of the tests I work on a lot is called elicited imitation, and that one's kind of interesting. I could, heck, I could do a whole podcast on elicited imitation. I have a few papers I published on elicited imitation. Um, but that uh, makes you not a layman about it. That, so that's correct. I can't. I, you're right. I, I can't. <laughs> there are very few things on which I am not uh, I qualify that I don't qualify as a layman. But elicited imitation is certainly something. Having published a few papers, I don't think anyone would call me a layman. But it's uh, the idea that uh, the the basic idea of elicited imitation is someone says something and you repeat it. I mean, really, that simple. 
but when you start getting into the linguistics and memory aspects of it, um, it's pretty interesting. Um, and we use that um, to help try to figure out how well someone has learned a second language. And so that's more the uh, the uh, oral, uh, oral, whatever, auditory, the, you know, the uh, listening aspect of it. So, but it did have crossover with uh, and correlation with um, the reading uh, scores as well, of course, as all language crosses over across those boundaries. But that's a long way of saying I don't know, Matt. Well, it sounds like an area where an appropriately informative podcast could be of use. No. Yeah, that's anyway. too bad. We don't have any of those. I've heard I've heard that's a, that's a good thing to Okay, whatever. Um okay, last one. Last one that I've got, unless you guys have one. Um and this one is really okay, so uh I live in the United States, as do Matt and Cameron. Um yeah, you hear about border disputes in other countries sometimes, right? There are some countries that have border disputes uh, about, you know, uh, obviously about where which land, land belonging to which country. Uh, what I wasn't aware of that is that apparently we and the Canadians are a bit um, testy with each other a bit <laughs> about some of the uh, the border um, of the United States and Canada, which surprised me because you know it's there's no there's we're generally pretty friendly with canadians you know they're pretty pretty mild mannered people good uh well uh well, you know well mannered and i actually and, think i know this one yeah so i didn't um but apparently there's a, a like five current disputes on um on land uh, the, uh that we well, some of it's C as well, actually, that we that we claim or claim is international and, and Canada disagrees. And so, while it's not exactly the uh, open hostility of uh, military, uh, you know, uh, that happens in other countries. You know, I'm sure that some of our fishermen are yelling nasty things at each other. So um, <laughs> there is one called the Dixon Entrance. And apparently that's a pretty, probably the biggest dispute because there's a bunch of salmon this is up by alaska um and the dixon entrance is uh, a part of the ocean there that um and, and it does have some land that involves as well uh that once again we claim uh the united states claims and canada claims and we've essentially learned to uh, agree to disagree <laughs> we've got treaties that essentially just say we'll uh we're kind of we're going to make this work, but we, both sides don't give ground. Um, and so what it's eventually come down to, I was reading an article about it, is that the Canadians will uh, patrol Canadian boats in that area, and we control we patrol um, uh, American boats in that area. And we generally just try not to ruffle any feathers. Um, though every once in a while, I guess Canada set up a hotline where they can call if Americans are overstepping their bounds and uh, file a complaint with the government. So. Um, anyway, the Dixon entrance, there's uh, something called the Northwest Passage. Um, and we, that's one of the ones where we think it's international. We call it an international strait. Uh, and the Canadians say, are pretty, pretty sure that's actually not an international strait. It's, it's Canadian waters. So it sounds like, uh, you know, just a kind of a uh, difference in terminology. 
Um, anyway, but then there's uh, some, some some actually part of the Yukon, Alaska uh, area that is under dispute. Some of these are ridiculously small. And it's really silly. Uh, uh, for example, and I don't know how to say this, Macias Seal Island, a whopping 20 acres. And apparently us and the Canadians can't agree on whose it is. Um, so you think that at some point someone would just be like, who cares? But um, apparently not in the last 200 years. No one said that. So uh, anyway, I, I didn't know we disputed land with the Canadians. So I'm sorry, Canada, um, unless it's your fault, in which case, burning heck. <laughs> well, you didn't actually clarify that. Um, are all of these disputes actually... Uh, the two countries claiming the same land, or is this Canadians pretending to be Americans to <laughs> weasel their way in? I don't think. Oh uh, yeah, hey, my cabin is. See, I can see that being a little bit more plausible than the U.S. and Canada actually arguing over who owns what. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, actually, a Canadian city that's completely within the United States. I think up in. Washington. Like they have to drive through the United States to get to their, their city. And I think there's a U.S. city in Canada as well. So there's also there's lots of little fun things like that. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that is interesting. I all these you know I don't live near the Canadian border and never have. I generally viewed it as kind of um, you know like uh, one of those lines that like two feuding brothers drew down the middle of their room to say, this is my stuff, you know, and, but nobody actually cares. Um, well, apparently people kind of care not to the point of actually fighting about it, but certainly arguing about it. So, um, once again, for all of our Canadian listeners, I'm sure that you have some degree of, no, you don't, you're wrong. (laughs) Give us the land. Um, Okay, well, um, so that are those are my five interesting facts. Hopefully, I didn't offend any of our Canadian listeners. That was mostly tongue in cheek. So uh, I respect the Canadians, yeah, mostly. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I love Canada. I've been to I Canada think you've a couple. Canadian bacon one too many times. I've I've been to Canada a couple times. I've been very impressed with both the people and just the natural beauty. So all of this is uh, is joking. I really enjoy Canada um, in as much as I've experienced it, which is not, you know, I've never spent a summer, a winter in Canada. So I can't really speak to the, you know, the difficulties of surviving a winter. But um, yeah. Okay. Matt or Cameron, do you have any other interesting facts you'd like to share before we wrap up this shorter-than-usual podcast? Uh, No, I think uh, you have come up with definitely the most interesting selection of facts that you can find in a a (laughs) podcast of our caliber. uh, (laughs) I think so. I I actually, I think... You can, I mean, do some internet searches. Go out there and and use your initiative and find yourself a legal, ethical importer of capybaras. And if you can't, (laughs) well, I don't know. Find a way to get a capybara because those are awesome. You should have one. 
you could just crossbreed oh. like a guinea pig with a cow, and it's probably a capybara. So, hmm. I don't think it <laughs> it works quite like that. <laughs> probably not. Okay, uh, Cameron, any interesting uh, facts? Uh, it costs more money to mint a penny than it's actually worth. I've heard that before, which maybe explain. So maybe they're finally at the U.S. Mint. They're finally doing a good job by just not doing doing any more coins. We have a coin sh- shortage now in the United States. I believe it's coronavirus related. But maybe they're just using that as an excuse to get rid of coins, which would be fine with me. Oh, there we go. Yay for coin shortage. Um, let's see what else. Trying to think of some other. Um, I don't know. There's lots of fun little things. I think one of the people that I used to like to watch were random interesting facts, like the city of London inside of London. Um, I don't know if you know about that one. I have no idea. Um, there's a guy, I think CP Gray. He's got a YouTube. He's got a whole bunch of fun little facts that he goes into that are just random things. Um, so I really liked him. He does one on uh, daylight savings and how it's uh, extremely pointless and how it even compounds as you go globally because not all countries do um, daylight savings during the same times. And some do it, some don't. And it actually causes a whole lot of problems. So the world should just actually just stop doing daylight savings. I would so. mostly agree. Though, actually, so in the California, we voted last year, I think, to uh, do away with daylight savings. But, well, no, actually, what we did is we voted to adopt only daylight savings time, I believe. Um, and so... That actually wasn't legal, um, so we were supposed to get approval from the federal government, and apparently we weren't given approval because guess what? We're going back on normal time come November again. So, um, yeah, it is weird that we can just arbitrarily say, but you know what? The next hour, let's not have it. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of that podcast we did on time measurements of time which did we talk yeah. about cameron do you remember did we talk about daylight savings i don't remember i think i, mean, I think we might have up. we might have briefly said something about it but. yeah anyway all right is that anything else cameron um no not really okay well uh, i'm i'm thinking i i so I listen to podcasts pretty frequently of different varieties and what a bunch of podcasts, successful podcasts have, which, you know, maybe someday we'll, we will be among those, um, is they have little bits that they do most, or if not every podcast, where they have like, um, you know, top five something or so-and-so's interesting thought or new vocabulary word or something. Anyway. Um, and so I was thinking maybe I offered you one of those with our theme song and you turned it down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure the cease and desist letter would come to me. So, uh, (laughs) I don't think that qualifies as fair use. Uh, if you're going to use that song, every, uh, podcast, right. 
Yeah. Additionally, um, Rammstein uh, is not exactly what I choose for uh, uh, my um, podcast of choice uh, uh-huh. theme, theme song. Anyway, um, I do think that this interesting fact thing could become one of our bits, though. You know, just kind of two, one or two interesting facts um, per podcast. Just something to, uh, and we can have well, you take turns doing it. I don't know. Anyway, if people want to give us ideas or, or suggestions on that, that would also be um, welcome. Uh, otherwise, I think we'll wrap up with a short podcast, which we haven't done in a long time. They've all been incredibly long and um, dense. So this hopefully slightly less dense uh, while still useful and educational, because that's what we do here at Learner from a Layman. So. All right. Well, I will uh, sign off now. Matt, Cameron, thanks. And we'll see. No, we won't. We'll hear you back. I don't know. Next time.